Australian rules football is the greatest game on earth, but it's not to say it couldn't be better. If only there were two people completely unqualified to talk about it, yet utterly prepared to do so. Two people like that might have some radical ideas. Two people like that might just be the Footy Fixers. Hello, I'm Charlie Clawson, he is Scott Dooley, and we are here to fix football, whether you like it or not. And uh, today's episode is a bit of a different one. It's a kind of a niche uh, subject matter. It's something that has been bothering me for a while, Scott, and I thought you'd be a great guy to bring on on this. So it is around the idea of the tradition of the football banner. Now, I'm not sure how uh, keen-eyed a football viewer you are, but have you noticed in the last 20 years, mm. that the tradition of a team bursting out through the banner has declined? Yes. Yeah, I have. And and I think that um, COVID really felt like a slippery slope for this, didn't it? <laughs> like where they were like, okay, we don't need to do this. I, I don't want to see have nothing or have the banner. I don't want to see people with flags. I don't want Russell Crowe's drums. It's 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 all or nothing. I think that there is nothing that uh, establishes or makes a statement about your team being a rough, tough bunch of dudes than bursting through a uh, tissue paper banner. And I am sad that it's gone. And I would like to know when this decision started. At some point, one of those bloody Poindexters, one yep. of those sports medicine guys Fizzetas. said, you know what? Yeah. There's a risk. There is a risk of injury if we have the players going through. They could trip over the tape or something, or they could get a finger caught. So let's just have them tear a little, tear a little hole through, and just slip through. And most of them nowadays will duck under. I, I miss the like days, that. Scott, yeah. where they, where they're full chested, just bursting yeah. through that banner, showing you how tough they are. Yeah, and it is. It is one of the rare times where arts and crafts is frightening. You don't often get yeah. that kind of that. Have there? What? Tell me, what's been your this question without notice? But what do you think is the most storied banner injury? Have there been any that would be like swept under the carpet I that you've managed don't. to get your hands on? All <laughs> oh, right. You think the AFL's hiding the numbers? I think. I think it's like the. I mean, it's kind of like the concussion thing. They know it's going to open the door to a lot yeah. of lawsuits. If we find out that like Gary Ablett could still be playing, except he hurt himself at Cadenia <laughs> <laughs> due to a, a nasty paper cut that never kind of healed. I mean, it must have been something though, right? Because it did go from players bursting through the... I mean, that was a big part as a kid of going to the football yeah. is seeing the banner go up. You get bored when it's the sponsor side of the banner and then it flips around. And the yeah. one that sticks in my mind, that was a St Kilda one from, I'd say it was the late 80s or the early 90s, where it was the dogs were put down, the eagles were shot, and Carlton, you're next because the Saints are running hot. Wow. What a violent bit of imagery that is. The dogs were put down. The <laughs> Eagles were shot. Like, I know it was a different time, but still, like, there's kids at the game. My favourites were always the, um, the, the milestones where they'd have the incredibly offensive caricature tour of the player. Enormous oh, yeah. head, tiny body holding a yeah. football. Um, and then if it was like a really big milestone, like a guy's playing 200th game, and then there's a guy playing his 50th game, and they'd have to kind of put him, they'd kind of have to wedge the 50 yeah, yeah. gamer into the – I always like that kind of – you'd see the hierarchy of the club right there. 
almost like a footnote. And, and, and I guess it really comes down to the cheer squads, doesn't it? Because it's really, the banner is obviously the domain of the cheer squad. You know, often Seven News will show some footage yeah, of the cheer that. squad, putting together the Always in socks. The night Always in socks. <laughs> Always in socks. Mate, you can't, can't yeah. step on that tissue paper with regular sneakers. Yeah, You'll rip it yeah. right apart. No outside shoes, but, guys. But the amount of effort they put into it, I'm wondering, like, uh, maybe they're behind the uh, the idea of well, let's stop bursting through it. Like, this is this is like our artwork. I mean, this is this is the canvas in which we work. And you're just going to run out now and burst through it. What do you feel about the footballer? Generally, the guy who's hanging at the back of the pack as the as the players are going through the banner, who likes to launch a torp through the banner. See, I like the th- I like the banner. I like that? that guy. No, I like that guy. Yeah, I like I, I like him because it shows like I can kick through a banner. That that's kind of you know you know how you'd always hear like the Danaher brothers could kick over a, a water set? that that's a, kind of yeah a silo yeah, yeah. A silo yeah <laughs> so that's that I I do tell me this do we I mean does this fall at Danny McGinley's feet did he disrupt and then yeah. ruin the banner industry oh I don't know if he uh, he definitely disrupted it and I think that he actually brought it back for a brief time in the same way that I don't know what it's like in New York. Mm. But rollerblades came back very briefly, I noticed, uh, around New South Wales. Sure. People seemed to be back in it. It felt like it was a very short-lived – people have then gone back to roller skates. Like it, it, it was a very short-lived infatuation again. I feel like that Danny took the banner, put a new spin on it, which is like you could actually make them funny, like mm. you know, put a bit of thought into it. Mm. But then I don't know what happened with Danny. Like did he – was he maxed out? Was it like faulty towers? Where he's like, well, I've got a year's worth of banners in me, but I don't want to overdo it. I don't want to become a cliche of myself. Oh, so you think that he has said too many brushstrokes and then just walked away on top? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he wants to leave exactly finish on top. He doesn't want to kind of come up with that one banner that makes people go, oh, you know, I used to love those bulldogs banners until yeah, the one where he went all anti-vax. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when when he had the caricature in blackface, that was too much. That's where I draw the line and the AFL. Yeah. You. Well, tell me, so the, the issue as you see it. Sing up. Uh, raise, uh, raise Bulldog supporters, stand up and sing in one voice and yell out clear, my body, my choice. <laughs> oh, jeez. Don't, don't care. has gone off the deep end. <laughs> Don't care for that. Um, (laughs) Shane had Angel. Home and away had Sally. Let's make this game a freedom rally. You know, that, you know, that that was where I was, come on, Danny. Yeah. And also like, also where he was like, they had the the giant syringe that the bulldog would beat (laughs) up at halftime in front of the kids. It was weird. And this this so was all this Sam, was all like five years before COVID as well. I know. I just was thinking when Sam Mitchell was was miming like uh, you know injecting himself. Maybe what he's actually talking about was the pandemic to come. After I mean, this, he's ahead of his time. Sam after Mitchell. this win, the bombers will have a schism. Don't forget vaccines cause autism. Like that was, that was <laughs> such a weird banner. That was a preseason game. Real weird. <laughs> 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 I think the most legendary of uh, those banner moments, though, was the 2018 Grand Final, right? Where there well, were the strong winds before the one, game yeah. and the banner split and uh, and Nathan Buckley had to console the head of the cheer squad. 
which I thought was, with all the things that were on his mind that day, the fact that he had the presence of mind to console the head of the cheer squad, brilliant, brilliant I, stuff. Do you, do you remember word clouds and where people would like, they, they, they'd scrub a, a text and then have a look at the words and kind of present the data in a way where um, the size of the word corresponded with how many times it was used. The word omen in my section of the MCG when that happened was terrifying. Oh, oh, really? it's, an it's an omen. Oh, I don't like this. I don't like this one bit. <laughs> There's one guy that went and got a drink near us. <laughs> Couldn't handle it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it turned out to be right. I mean, maybe, right. Yeah. maybe there was something to it. <laughs> so, so what would you like to see? Because I, I, I feel the banner is such a necessary part of the experience, and I agree with you. Um, but what I mean, what is the AFL doing about this? Because I'm, I'm, I don't like to be too kind of dramatic, but this is we're, it's a crisis. It's a, it's an absolute yeah, it is crisis. a crisis. I feel like we are at a tipping point where mm. it would not surprise me if at some point Gil McLaughlin came out and said no more banners. Like there'll be there'll be no more banners. The risk, the insurance risks are too high, and uh, 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 and so he, there'll be some kind of mandate handed down, some mm. anti-banner mandate, which I think would be an absolute disaster. Like I think that we need the banners because it is that there is that anticipation before a game when you see the banners go up especially if it is a high wind where it's like whoa like you I know like is this banner yeah is this banner going to hold it together but what i would like to know is okay if the afl are intent as it seems to be yeah. on phasing out banners what would they bring in next like i i can't imagine us going to an nba style entrance where they you know turn the lights out and they play music and you know the players all come running out i don't want that kind of razzle well, dazzle the, but is there something yeah so the reason that wouldn't work is the only ground in the country that can ha have that is Optus, and mm. nobody knows any of the Fremantle players' names. So it would be a very no. short introductory period where it's <laughs> yeah. like, ladies and gentlemen, Nat Five and Number Ten, and then everyone's kind of it would feel a little anticlimactic and maybe would affect them. I, I feel, I feel that what we have to do. Let's say there are no banners. Could we? Mm. Could, I think the way in which the players enter the arena is obviously, you know, needs a bit of work. What if they were, instead of a banner, you know, when people are in a fire and, and when there's a, when there's a fire, if they're in a fire in a tall building, they have to leap from the building into a, oh, yeah. into a rug. What if we have a, 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 a message on the rug and each player has to f jump from say the top of the southern stand into the fireman's kind of trampoline at the bottom, uh, and and then we can see the funny message on the 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 rug, and also it's a fun way to because don't forget one of the things that the banner does is it drags people through the door earlier, particularly uh, what yeah. I'll call theatre goers who don't have a vested interest yes. in the match, and and therefore what we it's, because I think it'd be really exciting. To, to say, um, ladies and gentlemen, and you can't make any changes to your side because it's so close to the start of the game. Ladies and gentlemen, can't yep. be playing without Caleb Marchbank because he broke his neck for, when he jumped from the top Falling of the southern to the top stand. Of the stadium. Yeah. But isn't it, isn't it more about the thing that need, it needs to be like a show of strength because that's what the banner symbolizes. Oh, okay. It's like my team is coming bursting through. So I'm wondering, 
Like, you know, we love It's a Knockout. We do. I'm wondering if there is some kind of like, uh, could you replace, like if, if, the, if the concern around the banner, from what I can see, mm. the concern around the banner is that you'll get your legs, your ankles or your, or your fingers caught up in the tape. <laughs> so is there something else that we can put in front of the players for them to run through? How about this? Mm. All right, you know what? This is I've, it just it just dawned on me. The problem is it's too hackneyed. Like it's kind of it seems a bit cheesy and lame that they're running through this kind of crepe paper. Mm-hmm. What about we amp it up? It's like a gritty reboot of the banner. So rather than running through a, a, a banner, why don't we just bring out like like another football team? Why don't we bring out like the the Oz Kick kids? Like line them up, and then the team runs out through them like skittles them like ten pin bowling. I mean, they would look so much bigger than Auskick kids as well. So much bigger they're and dressed, powerful. And they'd look so much stronger. That would be quite fr- – what, what, what if we, instead of injuring children, we um, use fire? And, and maybe instead so, – so you have like a, a sheet of fire. Oh, yeah. And players yeah. have to kind of run through, and and that would also be kind of a marker as to a player's um, uh, longevity in the game, how badly burnt he is. Because over the, right. you know, if you run through fire three hundred times, I don't care who you are, you, you're going to end yeah. up with serious, long-lasting injuries. And wouldn't that send a message well, if you go out and you're standing Eddie was... Betts and he's just a deformed? Just a mess of a man. <laughs> you think this guy really wants it? Who was the Adelaide player Nigel who burnt Smart. his feet when he Nigel Smart? Mm. Right. So what about instead of like a wall of fire, we just bring in a, a pit of hot coals? I mean, that would suggest that this is a team that is focused and ready to play. If they, if the players' race ends with like a six-meter hot coal yeah. pit. Yeah. And that the players just march across that bare foot before they hit the ground. I mean, that's intimidating, right? That's, I mean, there's the hacker and then there's the bloody hot coal pit. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm all for anything that a player could kind of end his career doing in order to slightly <laughs> make the game a little bit more interesting. But what, well, what it's if, more about the, the intimidation factor. I know, so but that's right. I mean, maybe that. But what, yeah. what if it's a, a separate, like what if instead of it being so, similar each time each game it gives a, mm. a club an opportunity to to send a message to the other so this week ladies and gentlemen you please turn your attention to the to the players race and Kilda are running out you'll notice there's a moat and that's full of piranhas <laughs> or whatever you know what and they're gonna <laughs> swim ah <laughs> oh, perfect when they do those games when you sell a home game to cans yeah it's a moat Crocs. crocodiles yeah. And from the Steve Irwin Zoo, bit of cross promotion, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I think that'd be fantastic. And if you lose a player, well, you lose a player. But it's great promotion for the game. It's a great promotion for the game. And yeah, you could have. um, I don't think we still call him Baby Bob, but I will. Baby Bob could toss the coin. G'day, Australia. Uh, Firstly, condolences to Jack Steele and his family. Uh, You know, whoever died, I don't know who it is. Maybe it's Jack. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and that would make selection. Very interesting because they'd say, "Listen, yeah. I, I, I really think that um, you know, because this would be well, you'd you'd go on. you'd want one player to send out first because that's right. You're right, you would select an expendable player, yeah, to try and get across the moat first, so that your the rest of your first, you know, your you know your your starting twenty two, or your starting eighteen, yeah, could get an idea of how they could best navigate the moat." 
So you would just bring in a player that you could just sacrifice a pawn, essentially. You'd have to make him the captain as well. So you'd, you'd, and and it would be a really, you know, in some cases, literally a poison chalice. Because I imagine one game you'd have to drink poison before you ran onto the ground. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, he's got a bucket of arsenic. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome captain for today, Nick Caulfield. And then he drinks, he dies, and then the rest, let's do it for coffers, boys. So I think every game... I imagine black armbands for the player that had just died, either the week before or I don't know. How quick do you turn around a black armband? But, yeah, I think that would be. I think you're onto something. I think maybe what about if we, if we think a bit laterally, take away the, the potential for, for death <laughs> and bring in more of like, a, like a, an old school strongman competition, oh. like test of strength. You know, you see those mm. videos from Russia and it's some guy pulling like a jumbo jet with his teeth <laughs> yeah, yeah, or yeah. carrying like a fucking boulder yeah, 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 yeah. or like a log. Yeah. So maybe that's what it should be because that's what we're really saying is like, you know, the banner epitomized strength and ruthlessness. And so that's what we're going to bring to the start of each game. It's like, uh, you know, here comes the Collingwood Football Club and they're all carrying like giant boulders out onto the ground, you know, which they hurl across the boundary line when they get there. I like that. And you, or, could, write, and you could write kind of Vietnam War style, like mean things about the, you know, I'm coming oh, for yeah, you, Toby yeah, yeah. Green kind of thing and chuck that yeah, yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, so tell me, Scott, like banners are one thing, but where does this put the future of the cheer squad in the AFL? Like, I understand that, you know, uh, the game is getting more professional and, and it feels like sometimes it's getting taken away from the people. Mm. Do you feel like there is room for professional cheer squads, like that there is should be a designation of a cheer squad for each football club? I mean, I know that some clubs have cheer squad personalities that are a bit more high profile than others. Mm. But do you think that maybe this is something that will go the way of the banner? Eventually, we won't have cheer squads. It'll just be supporters or not supporters. Well, firstly, yes, I do think that that is the direction in which we're heading. And unless there is swift and urgent uh, intervention, it is a slippery slope. And that's why, um, and this will come as no surprise to you. I've spoken to you about this a number of times. Mm. A conscription style method. <laughs> where where people receive a letter and they say and you open the letter and it's from it's signed by Gillan McLaughlin and whoever the prime minister at the time is and it says yep. um it says to you dear charlie uh you've been selected to join the North Melbourne Football Club cheer squad for season 2022 in uh, yeah. in this, and then uh, you'll, you'll be receiving further uh, instruction. But please know you're required to go to uh, twenty uh, fixtures. Um, your favourite player is Luke Davies Uniac. Um, uh, he and and then and then a pack comes out with jerseys, uh, plane tickets, uh, beanies. And, and as well as that, you, you then go uh, with your other conscripted to, what, I mean, what I'm loosely calling a, a football boot camp, because of football boots, and, and you go and you, and you stay in, in barracks, and uh, which again is another football-related thing. So it feels like fun, but it's actually quite a um, 
it's it's being done by the same people who did the Adelaide Football Club camp, and it's very disturbing. And and you learn about the history of the club and moments that kind of you know hurt you and and things like that. And so then you and then you follow that club around. Then after you do your time, you can go back to barracking for whoever you want. But that that's kind of a thing that I've been proposing for a few years because I have seen this kind of writing on the wall. I love that. I mean, the players don't get to choose what teams they play Correct. for. They get drafted. Mm. So what you're saying is we draft supporters. That's right. So you could, like yourself, grown up a pie supporter your whole life, but then you get a letter in the mail and it's like, bad luck, you go for the Suns now. You go for the – yeah. And, and, but you also have the option as well to uh, trade members of the cheer squad. So much oh, like a trade period. It. So you could yeah. – I mean – yeah, after after Joffa's uh, tweets about certain members of the community, you probably want to put him up for trade. Yeah, you would. No, I don't think he'd have a lot of value on the market, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's really because because oftentimes people could look at the um, at the cheer squad and think that's an attractive option. So, and and I think what you'd probably do is like they did with Elvis during World War Two is you'd probably have a couple of high profile conscriptees and. Mm. Um, you know, uh, I'm thinking, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you'd probably have it. You'd probably have the conscription dates on the news, kind of, and then uh, mm. we cross now. Uh, Hot dogs from Big Brother Four is um, going to be joining the Geelong Cats this season. Okay, so we just have to pause there because I've just been making notes this whole episode. As you've been freewheeling your way through this, mm. here are some names that you've thrown out. Um, Luke Davies Uniac, Mick Caulfield, Caleb Marchbank, Hot Dogs. Like, you have this unique <laughs> talent to just like seed, not significantly, like, not, not the super famous names, like recognizable names to an extent, but it is a remarkable talent of yours, Dawes, like, to pull these kind of. Very mediocre names from the ether and just weave them into your improvisations. You know the it's best, just, the best. I'm really impressed. I actually have, I've been writing them down as you've been going. The best one is you miss Caleb Marchbank. <laughs> no, I've got Caleb oh, Marchbank. I've got Luke Davis, Unac, Nick Caulfield, Caleb Marchbank and Hot Dogs. I mean, I know Hot Dogs isn't a footballer, but I think that kind of sums up what your skill set we, is. We do need though, just thinking, just to kind of really kind of stress test the conscription idea is yeah i i think that there is a a do, do we have like a, a barracker of the year award or something to kind of because i don't want oh so like a best and fairest yeah yeah a yeah. best and fairest for yeah okay um yeah we can do that we could call it uh well i guess who is the most who is the most famous supporter beyond well i think beyond Joffa. So you got Joffy, you got cat yeah. Cat, Catman. You got Catman. Is there anyone else who was kind of like super famous for being? Well, Molly Meldrum was a member of the Saints cheer squad, so we could call it the Molly. Win the Molly because that has some kind of mm. cachet, and it sounds good. The Molly. Mm. So the winner of the Molly. Um, and how is that a judge? Well, so I think what you'd have to do is because you wouldn't want, say, for instance, you were drafted to to barrack for uh, North Melbourne, despite you know yep. you're a big so. When North's playing against St Kilda, you, you'd naturally be torn. Yeah. But now, <clears throat> there's only so much that brainwashing can do. And there would be a significant amount of brainwashing happening at the two-week camp. But I think what you'd probably mm -hmm. need is um, 
I don't want it to be too violent, too militaristic, but you would need people to kind of make sure that the barracking was genuine and, and happening at the right times. Otherwise, the atmosphere of the game would be lost. So perhaps these independent overseers, the officials. Yeah. Well, I don't know that you do need to worry about that because I'm not sure if you've ever been to a game at um, a giant stadium, but they pipe in the sound of like crowds cheering and they pipe in. <laughs> is that what the big, big like, sound is? I, I, like I, Alec, Alex Williams is a friend of the show. He's appeared on Two Guys, One Cup many times and he assures me that it's not pre-recorded. But I have been to Giant Stadiums a few times and there is a loudspeaker where it's a guy going, come on, Giants, or something like right. that. And he says it exactly the same way every time. Like it sounds like it is a pre-recorded message that has been played oh, over speakers right. to create some kind of atmosphere. So – I don't know that you'd necessarily need to make that, like the sincerity of the barracking or the level of the barracking to be, you know, uh, uh, sincere because I, th I, I think that you could fake that easily. Mm. My big concern would be like how do you ensure that – okay, so just say that you get taken from Collingwood and, and you, have to, you have to barrack for the Suns mm. and they're going to, uh, you know, uh, clockwork orange style, pin your eyes open and indoctrinate you into – Sun's fandom. Yeah. What are they showing you? Like, what, I mean, is it the Carmichael Hunt era? I think. Is it, uh, yeah. yeah. Is it Gary Ablett Jr. refusing uh, modern medicine in order to recover from a shoulder injury? I, I, I still uh, what, put, what? I put that down at Danny McKinlay's banners. I think he, I think he was, <laughs> I think he was radicalized. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Danny McKinlay's banner. I, I think, I think, we're, I, we might be being a bit literal. I think it is a bit of a clockwork mm -hmm. orange style um, pastiche of, of just horrible moments throughout history. You know, atom bombs going off and people being murdered and and oh and, right, and, and then okay. and then subliminally Stewie Dew high fiving. So you know, the the maybe the respite yeah, right. comes from the the club that you're watching and you kind of feel some kind of affinity to it. Would be my that would be my first thought, yeah. but again, I'm not a psychologist. So you're saying it's more of a kind of Gu Guantanamo torture exactly right. process Precisely. that has moments of relief mm. with the with the sons, which creates some kind of like mm. what do they call it, Stockholm syndrome, yeah. the affection for your captors. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and and I think you would kind of take a few leaves out of the Guantanamo Bay book and and make sure that you know there's. People don't sleep for a long time. <laughs> the, the, they're un, undernourished, and there's, um, you know, perhaps questionable. And I mean, maybe that's how you teach the waterboarding is how you teach the history of the club. Like, who won the most best in ferrets? And you know, waterboarded Gary Ablett. Yeah, okay, you're right, mate. And um, you know, who's the most underrated? Well, Tuke Miller was actually uh, Tuke Miller performed really well last yeah. year. He actually had the highest number of inside fifties. There and, you yeah. go. Yeah, oh, you're free to go. Izzy Rankin's going to come good this year. Okay, off you shoot, mate. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of stuff and um i think it would add a new layer of excitement at the ground as well because listen as as far as i can tell a few people are going to flip out and that would be kind of a fun yeah. thing to watch especially in a one-sided game if someone just completely uh, well, loses their minds behind the goal especially for a team like the suns at metricon where you need something going on in the mm. crowd like i've been to metricon and it is it's sorely lacking in atmosphere but if you had one dude like flipping <laughs> out like yeah. kind of like a manchurian there candidate style like you know yeah. 
they're watching the game like the 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 heads of the club are watching the game like oh we're lacking a bit of atmosphere just play that thing on the screen and it just <laughs> yeah. triggers him and suddenly he starts <laughs> yeah. flipping, out, flipping out doing backflips yeah. and stuff jumps yeah. in jumps into the totally into the it. moat where the crocs are could maybe that could be the way you've got to enter the ground is there's a moat every ground has a moat which a would moat. really um make the out of bounds on the full rule a lot more easy to to a judge to adjudicate if there was yeah, a, 100% and yeah. And I like the fact too that you are extending the uh, uh, intimidation tactics to beyond the team. Just bur- it's not just a, a team bursting out through a, a tissue paper banner. It's like you and your supporters have to navigate mm. a moat to get into this ground. Mm. Like when it talks to about home ground advantage, we mean real, real home serious ground home ground advantage. advantage. And and then, um, yeah, I, I think that that could be a really interesting way to kind of do it. It would. I'm I'm just wondering though if people get you know, hip and shouldered into the moat. Because I don't see any, you know, what kind of issues that would provide. <laughs> well, look, as long as uh, both players are going for the ball mm. and uh, they don't deviate from that path, then I think uh, it's play on. Yeah, and maybe you kind of get rid of some of the more, like, deadly... Maybe there's like a caiman in there. As long as they do, as long as they keep the hit below the shoulder, Scott, I don't see a problem with it. Knocking a person into a pit filled with crocodiles. Listen, All you're right, elected so, to bump, to some, so to, <laughs> and your man drowned. <laughs> yeah, six weeks, <laughs> and was eaten alive. <laughs> So to uh, all right, just to summarise. So we're saying, if the AFL continues with this phasing out of the banner, which it appears they are doing, and they refuse to get Danny McGinley involved because of his uh, serious anti-vax stance, then what we're suggesting, uh, alleged alleged anti-vax stance. <laughs> Sorry, Danny, if you're listening to this, it's, it's all jokes, Bubby. We love you, uh, but we are suggesting that they bring in. A either an uh, an old school test of strength competition mm. like you know lugging boulders, pulling jumbo jets, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, or death defying acts like uh, walking across uh, coal uh, flaming coal pits, uh, navigating moats filled with crocodiles, uh, and then we're also saying that the cheer squad will be made up of people who have been drafted in mm. from other clubs. Mm. Um, uh, uh, and uh, brainwashed or Guantanamo Bay tortured uh, to become supporters, or at least Both. Manchurian candidate yeah. style supporters. Yeah, yeah essentially. Well, I think. I, yeah. I th- well, I, I think that that problem is fixed. I think the footy fixers have done it I mean, again. I can't see an issue, single issue with that. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to get in touch with the show, you can at Two Guys One Cup AFL on Twitter. And Instagram, we're going to be taking a little break over Christmas, but we'll be back with new episodes in the new year. For now, I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Scott Dooley. It's been fixed. <laughs> That's good. That's better. It's been fixed. I think fixed. we got it. I think that's it.